ready this morning to dive right into the rise of sons. And I want to teach this morning on inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. inheritance. I'm going to go about this, I think, a little bit differently than I normally do. In fact, there are no notes in the Bible app, or in our app today. Usually I put our notes in there and you can follow along. Uh, the reason I didn't do that today is because I don't really have something that is laid out in such a format um, that would be easy for you to follow. I simply have some statements that Holy Spirit gave me, some scriptures that He gave me, and I've put them, I've written them, written, written, come on Steve, talk. I've written those down, and in writing those down, um, I'm just going to follow with what I have. And when I get to the end of what He's given me, we're going to wrap up today and we're going to give opportunity for you to know whether or not you are a son, whether or not you're an orphan, a vagabond, an outcast, a slave, in bondage, whatever the position might be. And let me just tell you, wherever you might find yourself outside of sonship today, don't, don't condemn yourself for it. Be delivered from it. If today you find, you know what, I'm, I, I feel like I live my life according to the law. I feel like the law is everything about me. I'm in bondage. I'm, man, I'm, I, I feel like if I do this this many times a day, then God will love me. If I forget to do this this many times a day, God's going to hate me. Or He's going to be disappointed in me. If you live a life like that where you feel like every single day that depending on what you do and don't do, God is loving or hating, you're in bondage. You're in bondage. One thing my children will know about me, even on days when they were disciplined, my youngest is 25 now, but, but there was a time that they weren't. And when they were younger, one of the things that my kids always knew is on their worst day, no matter how badly they behaved, if they required, we used to give them two pops each. They would argue that, that there were more than that. But, uh, but I remember better than them. And uh, it just felt like more. And we made two pops count. And uh, so we would give them pops. They never had to question whether or not we loved them. They never wondered, am I still his son? You know, they'd be crying, oh, dead. And there's still one more to come. I know there's parents in here that are like, I can't even believe you did that. I did, and my kids are great. I'll just leave it at that. And they love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And um, so anyway, aside from that, what I do know is when I would pop them, and no matter how hard they cried or no matter how awful the thing was that they did that was deserving of that pop, one thing that my kids would always know is by the time, uh, even in the middle of it, they knew, he's still my daddy. He still loves me, and when it's time to eat, he's going to feed me. When it's time to go to school, he's going to take me. When it's time to get to my ball game, he's going to drive me. They never had to wonder, well, is he going to abandon me now? Did I not live up to his expectations, so now I'm going to be abandoned? Did I not, am I not doing everything that he wants me to do? So am I, am I going to be left behind? Is he going to love someone else? Is he going to ask for a different child? Is he going to trade me in at the puppy store? My kids never had to do that. Not with me nor my wife. Because what they knew was that we loved them. And they were our children no matter what. That's one of the reasons we don't have membership in this house. We don't have a formal membership where you fill out a card and say, I now go to the rock. And when somebody asks you, where are you a member? You're not a member anywhere. You're part of the family. You're either part of the family or you're not. And that's the way we do it, and, that's, and the reason is because when my kids were born and they came into our lives, when I first held my children in my hand, I didn't say, I can't wait till you can write so that you can fill out a membership card and be a Parker. 
They were a parker when they were conceived, and they'll be a parker the rest of their life. And the same is true for any child um, that is raised in a home where the, the middle of that life, the middle of that family, the middle of that place is the kingdom of God. And I can tell you today, uh, for that reason, I know this about our Father, the one we sang about this morning. Olam. Abba. Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh. And we sang about Him this morning. When we sang about Him, I know this about Him. I know this about our God. When He breathed breath into your lungs, and believe it or not, He did, or you wouldn't be here. He breathed into every single person that's in this room and every single person watching online. I always want to thank you for watching from wherever you're watching today. You're just as much a part of this house as those that are sitting in this room today. I'm thankful for you. But I can tell you when he breathed his breath into you for the very first time, when he said, I want this one to to have a representation in the earth. I want them to represent me on planet earth. So I'm going to pull from my sons here in the heavens and I'm going to put some dirt and dust on them and I'm going to go and I'm going to breathe into them and I want them to come alive and they will forever be my son. They will forever be my daughter, male or female, whichever one they are. They're going to be my son or they're going to be my daughter. My hope is that they will honor me. They will represent me well. That they will live for me. That they will make choices that reflect what makes my heart happy until the things that make my heart happy make their heart happy. That is my hope, that they will do that. But even when they don't, I still don't look at them and say, oh, you're done, you're no longer a son and you're no longer a daughter. It isn't the father that cuts off the sons and the daughters. It's the sons and the daughters that make choices, that vacate them from the inheritance that God has laid up for them. It is the choices that we make every single day when you and I walk out into our lives and into our worlds and we get into our jobs and we get into our neighborhoods and into our community groups and HOAs. Listen, if you're in an HOA, I'm going to tell you something. You really need God because that is the doorway to hell. You are as close to hell as you will ever be in an HOA. I see many of you agree. (laughs) But this is what I know. I do know this. I know that whatever choices that we make, whatever decisions that we make when we forget that we are heirs, when for whatever reason, Alex, we forget that we have an inheritance, when for whatever reasons we forget from whom we have come, when we forget that, we might separate ourselves as the prodigal, as Scripture calls the prodigal son, separated himself from the father. He didn't feel like a son, but the father never saw him as anything less than a son. I can tell you the same is true of Yahweh God. No matter how far you feel like you've gone the other direction, no matter how many rules you feel like you've broken, no matter how many laws you feel like you've violated, no matter how many times you feel like you've let him down, No matter how many times people have gotten in your face and say, you cannot be a child of God because I've watched how you've lived your life. No matter how many times that's happened, I want to tell you this about God. God sees you as a son and God sees you as a daughter. And you will always be God's son and you will always be God's daughter. The difference is the change that we make in ourselves. We have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. Somebody say, I'm willing to make it. I'm willing to make it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. 
I appreciate these families that are up here in the hot seats today. They're up here because they did something this week that required them to be in the corner. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They didn't do anything. They're they are highly favored. They're engaging this morning. I, in fact, I asked Zeb and his family, I asked them this morning, I said, how come y'all are sitting back here in the cheap seats on the back row? They couldn't get to the normal seat, but uh, I'm thankful for that. I can tell you I love it when people press into the things of God. I love it when people are pressing in and saying, I want to know more. Does anybody want to know more? Anybody want to know more? I do. Man, I want to know more. I want to to know him more. I want to know more about him. I want to know more about my inheritance. I want to know more about what it means to be an heir. I want to know more about what it means to be a son. I'm so thankful for the day that I came to the place where I realized, oh man, I don't have to memorize all those. I've told this over and over, I won't tell it again. But I was so thankful for the day I got to the place where I didn't feel like to be a good child of God or a good preacher. I didn't have to memorize so many scriptures. I felt like that's what made me a good preacher. If I memorized enough scripture and I could impress people with what I'd memorized. What made me a good preacher was whether or not I could have an answer for every question they had. I just told somebody visiting this morning, you, if you have questions, ask me. I might not have an answer, but go ahead and ask. I'm so thankful for the day that I was set free of the bondage of feeling like I needed to be God in every situation. But I'm, I'm like you. I'm glad that I'm, I depend on Him just like you depend on Him. I need Him to reveal Himself to me every day just like you do. I'm so thankful today that I came to an understanding of what it means to be a son and more and more every day I'm coming to an understanding of what it means to be a son. So with that, Let's begin this morning on inheritance by reading in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. I want to read these scriptures to you, and then I'm going to ask you a question. In Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 14, it reads like this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Everybody say this with me again. We've done this several times, so you probably have it memorized by now. But say this with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, sons means that they have an inheritance. So it's a son or daughter, male or female. All who are led by the Spirit of God have an inheritance with God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are heirs with Christ and have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Four, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received instead the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And I'll say more about that last line in just a moment. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many believers today have a vision for inheritance? whether it's natural or spiritual. How many believers, how many people in this room have a vision for inheritance? What do I mean by that? Let me, let me say. How, let me see a show of hands again if this is true. How many even consider in this room you even have an inheritance? How many have considered that? Do I have an inheritance? That's good. How many have considered whether or not you're an heir? That's good. It's a little different. It's a little different. Just being an heir, just being an heir, does not mean something's coming. In this room right now, how many have considered, again, that you have an inheritance? Let me see your hand. You've considered it. 
You've given thought to it. Of those who have, how many give it a second thought more than just, okay, I believe I have one? How many have ever considered what that inheritance looks like? You've thought about it, both naturally and spiritually. In the natural, you consider, you know, you know, who do I have that's before me that might have something to leave me? You consider it. Everybody does. Most everybody does. You consider, is there anybody going before me that might have something that they're leaving me? Not because you're rushing them out. <laughs> because you're trying to decide whether or not you actually want to take care of it. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. In the natural... But in the spiritual, how many have considered, really genuinely considered past the fact that I'm a son, so I have an inheritance, how many have considered what that inheritance is? Now, we get caught up in this because probably most people, at least under the sound of my voice, at least in the church world today, religious system, um, certainly this is probably true, most of them are thinking about gates of pearl and streets made of gold and, and mansions and sweet, sweet by and by. That's what most are thinking about. My inheritance is this big house on the end of uh, Hallelujah Way that I get to have, and, and then I'm going to have a gate that's going to have a code, only kingdomers enter here, or whatever it is. And, and we're going to have all this, and this is our vision of an inheritance from the Father. But how many, how many have considered past uh, whatever house you might have called a mansion on the end of a street of gold, past the gates of pearl, how many have considered past that? Man, I have. In fact, I don't even care about the mansion. I don't care about the streets of gold, and I don't care about gates of pearl. I have no interest in gates of pearl. I have no, especially when you're in heaven and you have no need of anything. Why do I need a mansion? Why do I need streets of gold? Why do I need gates of pearl? Because that isn't literal. It's saying that whatever you need will be taken care of. You'll have no need. Everything will be taken care of. Everything will be added to you. But what I'm interested in in inheritance, when I think of inheritance, I don't think of inheritance simply as getting to the sweet, sweet by and by. Those of you that know me know this to be true. I don't think about what's, what's uh, some, uh, some place uh, up in the heavens that, that whatever, that has all these things in it. When I think of inheritance, I think of generations. I think of generations. I think of my sons and daughters and my sons and daughters, sons and daughters, and my sons and daughters, sons and daughters, sons and daughters, and sons and daughters. And I think of generations. I think of inheritance as something that's being laid up. Not something that I read about in, in, in a book called the Bible, but something that I can experience in the now. I think about generations. I'm thinking about what is inheritance? What has what the Father laid up for me? See, and I, and I have to say this again because I've said this a few times before. Please understand what I'm saying, especially since I can't take a lot of time to explain it well right now. My wife would say, if you can't explain it, don't say it. But in this situation, I must. But there's too many people in the kingdom of God today who are looking so much to get off of the earth. They're looking so forward to getting away from the earth. They will never have an inheritance. They're so certain that their inheritance is in heaven, they will never receive that inheritance because they have to first receive the inheritance that is in the earth. And if I neglect what He has given me to be responsible over now, the few talents that I have, I will not receive the greater talents at a later date. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? So, so much of the church world today that believes at some point they're going to be living in a mansion in Beulah Land, they're going to find out that they're not getting a mansion at all, and they're going to be doing really good if they get a doghouse on Iron Road. And I'm telling you the truth, because there's something to be said about two things, understanding where I am and understanding where He wants me to be. 
understanding where I am right now and having an understanding of where the Father wants me to be. Because I can tell you this, no matter where you are right now, I know this for certain, Matt, this isn't where the Father wants you to be. The end game isn't your right now moment. Ivy, the end game isn't your right now moment. Chris, the end game isn't your right now moment. God did not create you to get to this point. <laughs> oh, Chris, I'm so happy with where you are. I want you to be like Enoch. Come and walk with me. And you're gone. Well, you're still here. So if you're still here, He has more for you. He wants to teach us more. You say, well, yeah, but I, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready. I'm, I'm In the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. And I listen to songs on the Christian radio today hardly ever because I can't stand Christian radio. I listen to country music. But, but when I do listen to Christian radio, and I do hear some of the songs that are on there, and I listen to that, and I'm so dis disappointed in what I hear, and they're talking about all the misery and the sorrow, and we'll just get past this, and seeing in a hundred colors and all these other things that they're saying. And, and by the time I finish listening to that song, I'm so depressed. I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if this is what I had to listen to every day, I wouldn't even be a Christian. I know, and I'm sorry, for those of you that listen to Christian music radio every day, healing comes to everybody at different times. I'm not telling you not to listen to it. I'm just telling you to discern what you listen to. And if it doesn't reflect the kingdom of God doing an ama amazing work in you right now, man, click forward if it's on a Bluetooth connection. Next song. But how many believers today have a vision for inheritance? How many have a vision for inheritance? Not too many. They know what inheritance is. They're aware of inheritance. They consider it from time to time, but they don't consider what the inheritance is. They consider what they're hoping for, but they have no idea what it actually is. I want to say this to you this morning. Sons and daughters of God have an inheritance. Say this with me. Put your hands on yourself. Say this. Say, I have, I have. an inheritance. From the, Father. from the Father. You do. Now what do I mean by that? I want to tell you, first of all, having a vision for anything, including your inheritance, means seeing past the present. Amen. Having a vision for anything, whether it's natural, whether it's spiritual, having a vision for anything, including your inheritance, means seeing past the present. Seeing only the present Listen to what I'm saying. Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. Seeing only the present is awareness, not vision. Being aware only of where I am, that is awareness. That's not vision. Vision has nothing to do where I am. Vision has everything to do with where he wants me to be. Now, everybody in this room has an awareness. In fact, you could tell me right now, if I ask you in a split second, you could say this is what's going on right now. To your right, to your left, front, behind you, you could tell me this is what's going on. That's awareness. But now let me ask this. How many of you right now could tell me in a split second without giving thought to it what your hopes for tomorrow are? You have to think about it for a second. You have to think about it for a second. My hopes for tomorrow. I don't know. I haven't given that much thought. The Father has. The Father has. He already has hopes that He wants things that He would like to see you fulfill tomorrow that you haven't even considered yet. We haven't even considered yet. That's vision. Vision is saying, where do I want to be then, tomorrow? 
What do I want tomorrow to look like? This is my present. This is my moment. Right now, there's not a lot you're going to do for this very moment. The moment is here and gone in a split second. So the opportunity I have to change this moment right now, if in fact, even in this moment as an example, if you said, right now, I want a McDonald's sausage and egg biscuit, you couldn't do that in this present moment because the time that it would take you to get there and get back would take more than the moment you exist in. See, everything that's around us right now, it's simply awareness. I'm aware of where I'm at. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware of who's to my right. I'm aware of who's to my left. Everything about the present is awareness. It's not vision. Awareness will take care of today, but it will do nothing for tomorrow. So I've been an investor uh, all of my adult life. Uh, Those of you that have known me long, you know. I'm 59 years old today. Uh, When I was 18 years old, for a lot of different reasons, but when I was 18 years old, I made a decision even before then. But I knew that when I turned 18 years old, I was going to begin investing. I was going to begin to take care of my future in a way because I wanted to be financially secure and I wanted to be in a position that I had not yet experienced in my life, in anybody around me. And I knew I'm going to do something about that and I don't even know what that takes. I had nobody around me that knew how to instruct me, knew how to tell me to be an investor. I just knew, I didn't even know, I didn't even use that term. I don't even know what term I used. But all I remember uh, very vividly was the passion in me from about... 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, some things occurred in my life that forced me to begin to look forward, to see what was ahead and what did I want my future to look like. So I made a decision when I turned 18 years old because back then and even today, you had to be 18 in order to open an, an, a uh, brokerage account. So I immediately, when I turned 18, right after my 18th birthday, I, even though I had a job that didn't produce much, I think my total income, I just saw my W-2 the other day, my total income um, when I turned 18 years old for that year was about $1,400. That's all I got the whole year, $1,400. And it was a little while ago, a few years ago, but it wasn't much. So when I looked at that, and I still have, I have all my W-2s all the way back. And uh, when I looked at that, and I'm seeing that, and I think, man, what, what, the father, even though I wasn't serving God at the time, what he enabled me to do during that time, it's amazing. I'm so thankful that he enabled me to consider my future even before I knew that I had an inheritance with him. What I didn't understand that part of my inheritance with him was understanding that I needed to have an inheritance right now. First the natural Bible says, then spiritual. So in order to have an inheritance with him, in order for me to understand that inheritance, I needed to begin to lay up an inheritance. I was not going to inherit anything from my family because my family didn't have anything. When my dad passed away, I got a watch. And I got a few shirts. I'm thankful for that watch. I love that watch. And I have that watch in my dresser right now. And I love that. But there was nothing else to be left. They didn't know any different. They didn't know any better. But I had made a decision. So when I turned 18 years old, I opened up an account at American Century, a company called American Century back then, now it's something else. But I opened up an account at American Century and I put whatever the minimum was, I think back then was either $5 or $25, whatever it was. And out of every check, I would send them a check because you didn't have the online thing. So I'd send a check and it was, it was snail mail. I'd send off a check every time I got paid and every month I would deposit whatever I could, whatever the minimum was, Because that's all I could afford and I couldn't afford that, but I did it. And I invested. And I did that because I had a vision for what I wanted my financial future to look like. See, I know this. When I begin to do that, 
it would have been easy for me to not consider what the inheritance was that I wanted to be able to pass on to the next generation. But even at 18 years old, this is one of the things that I knew, and when my wife and I got married, this is one of the things that we wanted to do. And I encourage everybody in this room to listen to what I'm saying right now. Hear me, especially those of you that are younger and you still have the ability to do this, and it really it doesn't matter how old you are. But I knew even at 18 years old, one day I'm likely going to have children. And I want to be able to leave my children something. I don't know how much that is, but already at that age, I already in my mind began to have a vision for what I wanted to do. And I'll just tell you what it was. I wanted to buy them their first house. That was my goal. I want to be able to put money into investments, and I want to watch that grow, and I want to do whatever it takes, and I'm going to be faithful over that. And it wasn't a 401K, and it wasn't retirement yet. Then it was simply brokerage. And I invested, and I invested, and I invested. And when my kids grew up, and Kim and I together, we wanted to be able to buy them their first house, pay for it. They could go and do it debt-free. So guess what we did? Not that. But we were able to give them a chunk of money to help them with their down payment on their houses. We took care of part of that down payment on their house because they require a lot to, to do it. And they wouldn't have been able to do it if we didn't help them. And even if they would have, it was irrelevant because that was in our heart. Here's a check for, how I'll tell you, we gave them $15,000 each to get into their house. Why did we do that? Because it was, important. it was important to us. We had a vision for what the future was. We had a vision for what was to come. What do we want this to look like? So at 18 years old, if all I had done has been aware of my moment, my present, I would have been like, man, I don't have two pennies to rub together, so you know what, it's, why, why, it's just not worth it. Why, why would I think of anything else? All I want to do is just get through this moment. All I want to do is get through this moment. People never get through their moments because they don't have a vision for tomorrow. So their moment keeps repeating itself. The moment they're in repeats itself over and over and over again. There are people under the sound of my voice today, no condemnation. I'm not trying to judge. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But I want you to wake up and I want you to realize something. You are where you are today because you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. You are where you are today because you do not invest in your future. You keep spending everything that comes to you on your right now, thinking that somehow by loading and unloading everything right now, somehow that's going to produce something for the future. It's never worked that way. It will never work that way. If you're doing it that way now, correct it. Just being honest. Just telling you the truth. Can you hear me this morning? So if you're under the sound of my voice and you're listening to me, I want you to know today I had a vision for what I wanted my financial future to look like. Therefore, I immediately became an investor. And I didn't invest because of where I was. I invested because of where I wanted to be. Amen. Say it with me. You don't invest, you don't invest. because of where you are. But instead, where you want to be. If I had invested because of where I was, I wouldn't have put a dollar in the stock market. Not a dime, because it wasn't, re it wasn't reality. I couldn't afford it. I tell my kids, I don't know what they do. I don't know how much they put in their retirement accounts. But I tell them, max it out as soon as you can. Max out your retirement accounts as soon as you can. Well, even if you can't, you can't afford it, you're saying this. Do the best you can. Increase it as often as you can. Every year. Whatever it takes. Why? Why? Because of that reason, you don't invest because of where you are, you invest because of where you want to be. Just track with me this morning. The amount invested was less important than the commitment I had to stay the course. 
What I'm putting into this thing is not as important as the commitment I have to stay true to the vision. Because there is an inheritance down there that belongs to me. And I've got news for everybody under the sound of my voice today. When God breathed His first breath into you, He created you with an appetite for inheritance. He created you for an appetite for another day. I'm also the visionary of the Rock of Central Florida. And some might say, why visionary? And I'm going to tell you. I'm the visionary here because I'm less concerned about where we are than I am about where we're headed. That has been true since day one. I am less concerned about where we are right now as a body, as a church, as a people. Do I have concern at all? Not concern, I'm aware of where we are right now. But my compassion, my passion, my energy is on where we're headed where we're headed, because we will not be, unless we have no vision, we will not be judged on where we are, we will be judged by where we're headed. Did we come up short, or did we engage and move all the way in? So a packed room, a packed church, doesn't bother me. Do I consider what can we do with all the people, where can we put people? Yes, I consider it, but I'm not bothered by it. I don't get, whoo, we had a full house today. I don't get overexcited by a full house. And I don't get bothered by a lack of a full house. If there are 20 people out here today, you can ask the team when we meet every Sunday morning, I tell them, if the house is packed, don't get big-headed about it. If it's half empty, don't let it bother you. We're going to minister out of where we are. We trust God. We trust God. And he, he makes provision where provision is necessary and where provision is needed for those who have vision. I see past what I'm aware of. I'm certainly aware when we have people standing up, when we have a full room. I'm, cer I'm certainly aware when it gets hot in here because there's so many people in here. I'm certainly aware for the days, I was very aware of the days that we had 50 people in this room. I was very aware of it, but never moved by it because that wasn't the vision. The vision never was 20 or 50 or 200. The vision was and has always been and will always be a changed people. So whosoever will and to whomever He brings into this house, to whoever He brings into this house, this is my heart and this is my passion. I have a vision for change for you. Whether it be one or whether it be a thousand, I have a vision for change for you. I don't have a vision for a full house. I don't have a vision for an empty house. I have a vision for changed lives. That's what I have a vision for. And because of that vision, He enables me to speak to that and not be moved by circumstances that are around me. I see past it. I see in every sense of the word, what those in the room can become more than I see what they currently are. To be the receiver of an inheritance says more about the giver than it does about the receiver. The giver sees something in the receiver that warrants leaving something to him or her at a later time. I see something in this one. 
I can trust them with this. There's people, I don't know any that I can think of. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't say their name, but you might. But there's people who have lost an inheritance because they, in the eyes of the one leaving the inheritance, they had disqualified themselves one way or another. They had disqualified themselves. It could have been through any means. They disqualified themselves or somebody else manipulator or whatever it might be. But I can tell you this. This is what I know. When a giver is leaving an inheritance to someone, the giver sees something in the one that's going to receive the inheritance that the receiver may not even see in themselves. And that giver, he or she, is waiting, and in this case naturally, but also in the spiritual. I can tell you God sees something in you. I'm going to take it there. The Father sees things in you. He left you an inheritance that He will not repent of. If any of us do not receive our inheritance, it isn't because God repented and said, whoop, messed up there. I'm writing you out of my will. I'm getting my attorney over here. I'm going to, Gabriel, come here, Gabriel. Rewrite my will. I'm not leaving this to them. What I love about the Father, He doesn't have to die for you and I to receive an inheritance. He's the kind of Father that while He's living, He still sows into us. He'll always be living. If we had to wait till he died, none of us would have an inheritance. So you need to hear me today. So it's more about the giver than it is the receiver and what the Father did with you and me. Because he said, you're my son, Cletus. Cletus, you're my son. Cletus, stand up for a second, please, young man. I love him. Thank you. You have to love me. I'm your uncle. If I wasn't your uncle, would you still love me? <laughs> God believes in you. He laid up an inheritance for you. Do you believe that? He laid up an inheritance for you. It's laid up. You know what? He, this, is the, this is the God that we serve. Let me tell you how Yahweh is. Yahweh is this way. This is what makes him so amazing is he can't wait. Not, not that he has to take you out to give you the inheritance. He can't wait for you to begin to receive that inheritance. Thank you. You can be seated. What the Father has for you and me, the inheritance he has for you and me, isn't something that someone has to die to receive. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ and you accept that you are a son, and you begin to put off the legalism and the laws that religion so quickly loads upon you, and you begin to put that off and you begin to live your life to honor the Father, not to honor Bylaws and constitutions, not to honor rules and regulations, not to honor the doctrines of different churches and denominations, but you begin to live your life to honor the Father. What are you saying to me? What do you want of me? You begin to live, He begins to release an inheritance to you right away. But we have to have vision. We have to see past this place that we are right now because there's so many people in here, you're, 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 you're waiting for something more from the Father because you don't see yourself yet as a son or a daughter. So He hasn't been able to release it to you yet because if He released your inheritance to you right now, you would use it in the law. And the law would break it down, destroy it, burn it up, cut its head off, pour its blood out at an altar that's no longer required. So to be the receiver of the inheritance says more about the giver than it does about the receiver. The giver sees something in you that warrants leaving something to you at a later time. That's how the Father sees you. He sees you as sons and daughters. You need to listen to me right now. Look at me right in the face. Everybody in this room, look me right in the eyes. You were never meant to be an orphan. 
And you were never meant to be an outcast. And you were never meant to be a slave. And you never created to be in bondage. You came to this earth. You didn't come to this earth because you made a choice one day and you knocked on God's door and said, Sir, can I come in? You didn't go in there and say, Can I go to earth, please? No. You know what he did? He defined the moment you came for you. And he said, This is the day I'm sending this one. And he sent you and he breathed into you. And you know why he breathed into you? Because he believed that in you was sonship. In you is a daughter. He believed that in you there would be something represented in the earth that the earth needs. And that is, it is screaming for the sons of God to be revealed. Screaming for the sons of God to rise up. You might say, there's no one that will leave an inheritance to me. And if so... The problem you have is not with whether or not people will leave one. The problem is with vision. Proverbs 29, 18, you know the scripture well. Let me read it very quickly. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, where there's no prophetic vision, there's a sense that there's nothing to live for. If I don't see it tomorrow... If I don't see something great tomorrow, what am I living for? Do I want to continue to do this? But he says, he goes on, he says this, but blessed is he who keeps the law. That's not the law. That's not the law like you think law. In other words, blessed is he who stays the course. Blessed is he who stays the course. Let me read it this way. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people have nothing to live for. But blessed is he who stays the course. In other words, with prophetic vision and they're looking and they're saying, you know what, Father, I'm not living for tomorrow. I exist in this moment and I appreciate this moment and I understand this moment. I want to be a son or a daughter in this moment. But I also know this, there, there are things that are laid up for me that are even greater than this moment. There's understanding that I don't have yet that is on its way. There is wisdom that I don't yet possess that is on its way. There are relationships that I don't currently engage in that are on their way. I believe this. There is an inheritance laid up for me. Hope, promise, healing, deliverance, whatever it might be. I believe that with all of my heart. An inheritance has already been left to you. All of these things that I shared just a moment ago, knowledge, experiences, Yahweh's promises for faithful sons and daughters. Man, oh man. The things that the Father has for you, the things that the Father has for me, I can tell you, Scott, Tamara, I can tell you today what the Father's laid up for us. It's bigger than you would be able to wrap your mind around. That's why He gives it to us in little pieces. But I know this. As sons and daughters, let me ask it this way. Are we really sons and daughters if we don't consider what's ahead of us? I hope when my children... Walk around, let me just put it this way. I hope when my children walk around in my house, I hope when my children see whatever it is that's in our lives. You know, I was thinking last night, I was out in the front yard of our house with my 22 rifle, blowing the head off of a pocket gopher. True story. I was out there with my scope lined up on that hole, and when I seen his little head pop up, because he was digging, his little head popped up. I pulled the trigger. It was the most exhilarating thing. But I sat down and I looked at that 22 rifle. And I looked at the side and it's a Remington 552. And I've had that rifle for 43 years. 
And it still shoots as straight today as it did when I received it 43 years ago. I've never adjusted the scope a single time. Never done one thing. Now, I might be a little shakier now than I was way back then. So if I miss, it's more on me than it is on the scope. But I looked at that rifle and I began to consider where that came from. And it was given to me from my biological father. First time I met him. And he handed that thing to me. He handed me two guns. He handed me a 22 rifle with 15 shots, semi-automatic. Believe me, we've had a good time with that. We'll go down to, the, we'll go somewhere and we'll just... <laughs> and he gave me a 30 out six with a little pearl inlay in the butt of the gun. I knew him for all of three months and then I didn't know him anymore, but he gave me those things. That was my inheritance from him. And I took that gun and I'm looking at that thing yesterday and I'm thinking about the value of that rifle. 43 years ago, it didn't have much value to it at all, but when I looked it up yesterday, I went in the house and I got on Google and I looked up that rifle. I was like, wow, that has value today. You know, I had to wonder, did the man that gave me that, although he knew back then there wasn't much value to that rifle, but did he even for a second consider I've never been in Steve's life. I've never been in my son's life. I've never had anything to do with him, but I want to give him something that one day will, will be worth something. And that little rifle I just took out there, I got it leaning up against the wall, unloaded, unloaded. But it is leaning up against my wall where it will stay. And I took that rifle and I'm looking at that thing and I, and I just consider what the value of that is today. I want to tell you something. The Father sees you that way. What you count today, what we may look at today and we may think this isn't worth much. You got that preacher standing up there this morning telling me that I need to have vision. I don't feel like that's moving me much. But what you don't value today, even if you don't value it today, but if you will lay hold of it, own it, in time, the revelation will become immeasurable, invaluable. I have no idea how much that 30 out 6 is worth with a little pearl inlay. It's beautiful. I've shot it a few times. I've shot deer with it. I've dropped it on the railroad tracks. It's true. I had it strapped up on my shoulder one time, deer hunting. I was walking down railroad tracks through some snowy area. Strap broke, shattered the scope. I saw a deer about three hours later, tried to shoot it without a scope, didn't go well. But I can tell you it has value today. When I give my kids things today, it might not seem like much right now. Listen to what I'm telling you today. This is inheritance. When my kids walk around my house today and they see this, they see my old my toolbox that right now, you know, that's just, man, I can get that toolbox anywhere. When they see my rifles, they might not mean much to them. They see my rings that I've had over the years or my watches that I've had over the years and they look at those things and they're like, they might look at them right now and they might think, oh man, you just give those to the goodwill. But when there comes a time that they will want to lay hold of those things, if they will cling to those things, I want to tell you they will have value. See, anything that when my wife and I put our will and last will and testament together, and we did all of that. We did all of that with everything in mind, whether it be jewelry, rings, guns, 
cars, boat, whatever it might be that we might or might not have, whatever we thought we might have. And we would include, we include it in that. Not only for the next generation, but for the generation after them. You want to know why? Because from the time I was a young man, I had vision. And this is what I knew. Even at that age, I knew I'm going to leave something for my children, and I'm going to leave something for my children's children, and I won't marry anybody that doesn't have the same vision that I have. I will not be joined to anybody that doesn't see things the way I do, and I'm so thankful that God sent my wife to me, and she sees like I see. And we have engaged in this, and our heart and soul has been, we're leaving up treasures for the next generation. That's what a father does for his sons and his daughters. And I want to tell you today, that is what Yahweh has done for you and me. Here's the cool thing. Just like in the natural, if my sons come to me, in fact, just a week or two ago, I could not get that stinking little pocket gopher that's tearing up my yard. I, I, every time I'd try to take him out, for whatever reason, I would miss him. And I said to two of my sons, I said, you guys want to go out there and give it a shot? You know what they did? They took that gun and they went out there and they tried to give it a shot and get him and they didn't get him either. So let me know it's not just my shaky hand. But they didn't get him either. But this is what's cool about it. They have no idea what is in my possession today that has been laid up for them. But everything in my possession right now, even if it isn't yet assigned to them, they are using it. They lay hold of it. They might hold something in their hand and wonder, if this, will this one day be mine? They won't know until one day. But until that one day comes, it doesn't matter because any of them can lay their hand on it. Any of them can utilize the tools that whatever is at my disposal is at their disposal. And they can do that because they're my sons and they're my daughters. They are of me. And I can tell you there's an inheritance the Father has laid up for you. And what will separate, what separates sons and daughters from those in bondage, outcasts, slaves, vagabonds, what separates us is whether or not we have a vision for why the Father put us on this planet in the first place. Do I have a vision past today? I know this. When I was singing these songs this morning, and I do it weekly, but when I was singing these songs, and I got another scripture I want to read to you before I dismiss. But when we were singing these songs this morning, and, I'm, and, I, and it's true every week, but as I sing and I visualize, man, I'm living this. And I do every week, and, I, and I'm living this. And sometimes I wonder, is anyone else living this? Because I'm living it, and I get excited about it. And when we, when we sing, Yahweh, Yahweh, I don't sing Yahweh, Yahweh like he's a long ways off. I sing it like he's standing right in front of me and I'm having a conversation with him. Because he is my Olam. He is my Abba. He is my Father. He is my Daddy. And I believe there are things laid up in you that belong to me. They're an inheritance for me. And I will not squander them. Because I can't keep laws and because I see myself in a place that I don't, that I'm not. I'm not a slave. I'm not in bondage. I'm not an orphan. He isn't judging me when I get it wrong and right. He's always looking to help me find the way back to goodness and faith and trust. Always. When you get it wrong today, 
and you will. When you make a bad choice, and you will. If you still bleed red blood, it's going to happen. When I get it wrong, when I make a wrong choice, yeah, I'm the minister, yeah, I'm the preacher, yes, I'm standing behind this pulpit, but man, I'm not perfect. So when I get it wrong, when you get it wrong, when we get it wrong, this is what we know. We don't go try, like Adam did, to hide, get lost. When we hear his voice, try to get as far away from it as we can. But instead, like the second Adam did, we run. Father, not my will, but whatever your will is, let it be done today. I'm not trying to hide from you. I'm engaging you. And in my wrongs and in my rights, I'm engaging you. You aren't including me and excluding me based on my behavior. What you're, You've made everything available. It is I that separates myself from you. Father, let me have vision today. As a son seated at the table of my father, let me have vision today as a daughter seated at the table of my father. Let me have vision today, not as one that carries a lot of baggage in at the table, to the table. But let me have vision today as one who has been delivered, one who has been set free, one who can see into the next generation. Can somebody say amen? Let me read one last scripture in Psalm chapter 102, verses 19 through 22 reads like this. It says, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height from heaven. The Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners. To set free those who were doomed to die. So that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem His praise. When people gather together and kingdoms gather together to worship the Lord. Let my sons and let my daughters know from generation to generation they are mine and I am theirs. And that will always be the story. Leave you an inheritance. Stand with me if you would please this morning. He said, I leave you an inheritance. He left all of us who were doomed to die an inheritance so that we might live. Oh, so that we might live. Oh, man, I want to live. Oh, man, I want to live. I want to, I want to, I don't want to just say I'm breathing. Man, I want to be alive. I want to be alive, Liz. I want to get up in the morning and when the, when the world has thrown every ounce of its issues at me, I want to look right at it and I want to say, but I'm alive. Throw it at me, baby. All I can tell you is I'm still breathing. And as long as I'm breathing, I'm an overcomer. And as long as I'm an overcomer, I'm a son. And as long as I'm a son, I have an inheritance. And my inheritance isn't your trash. My inheritance isn't your garbage. My inheritance isn't what you tell me I can have. My inheritance is what my father says I have. I'm laying hold of that today. I'm laying hold of that today. Can somebody say amen? Father, I do lift my voice over this people today with my eyes wide open. I lift my voice over this congregation, every man and every woman that's here today. And I pray that by your word and by your spirit that every eye has seen and every ear has heard. That not one of us have heard the words that you've released to us today and cast them off. 
But my prayer this morning is that every person who has heard even a word, even a sentence of what you've released today, if they're watching online and even if they turned it off early, my prayer is that whatever they heard today, that Father, you have pierced the very depths of their heart, that you have caused their soul to hunger for what they did not know they hungered for. If there are people among us who did not have a thirst for the kingdom of God when they walked in these doors this morning, I pray right now, Father, they're so thirsty. They're so thirsty that they cannot wait to be saturated by the goodness and the mercies of God. Father, today, I believe with all my heart that you have released a word that will change lives. We have an inheritance. We're not orphans and we're not... Hold your hands up in this place this morning. We're not orphans and we're not vagabonds. We're not outcasts and we're not in bondage. But we are sons and we are daughters of the Most High God. And He's calling out, will the sons of God, will they arise? The earth is crying out for sons of God to arise. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Receive your inheritance today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Woo. That's right. Man. There's so much we haven't even grabbed hold of yet. We grow weary sometimes. We're like, man, does he even know where I'm at? He knows right where you are. Trust him. Trust him. Well, he's not releasing anything to me, so I've done something wrong. I'm out of place. No, 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 no. Trust him. Trust him. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Trust him. I'm not talking about riches as the world sees riches. I'm not talking about houses and cars. I'm talking about whatever the Father's releasing to you, whatever He wants to release to you so that you can prepare for another generation. Because whatever inheritance He releases to you isn't just for you for the generations after you and if it will only serve a single generation it didn't come from him because God is multi-generational if someone leaves something to you take a tithe from that tithe back to him take another tithe from that and put it away for the generation coming your kids or your kids kids because the father is not singular in generation he is multi-generational. He is always looking, what's next and what's next and what's next? And I'm going to add to this one and I'm going to add to that one and I'm going to add to that one. So I, am, I love my sons and I love my daughters and I love to pour out to them. Ooh. Trust me.